Hi, and thank you so much for joining me on today's podcast, Elevate Music Business. I'm Antonia K. Moore, and on today's podcast, I am so excited to actually be bringing you a fantastic guest, Stephen O'Regan. And if you don't know who Stephen O'Regan is, then he is the founder, or one of the co-founders, actually, of Balcony TV. And if you don't know Balcony TV, then let me tell you, Balcony TV was the original music video raw footage that was actually set on a balcony in Dublin. Started off on a balcony just off Dame Street in Dublin and then went global. It was in over 100 cities all across the world including Melbourne, Sydney, New York, Los Angeles, Mumbai and so many more cities. So on the podcast today Stephen is going to be telling us all about Balcony TV, how it eventually, the well the original conception and how eventually it went global and then of course unfortunately the end of Balcony TV then because it was eventually bought by Sony who still have Balcony TV and then um, have not done anything with it so far but hopefully they're going to do something with it in the future. So anyway check out today's podcast and as well Stephen O'Regan um, and myself had a great conversation and probably could have, could have literally spoke for another couple of hours but if you have any other questions with regards Balcony TV that you would like asked or any other questions I'd be happy to have Stephen back on the show so do let me know get in contact get in touch on at either Instagram at Elevate Music Business. You can send us a DM or on hello at elevatemusicbusiness.com. So anyway, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast and enjoy the interview. So Stephen, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today, Elevate Music Business. I really appreciate your time and uh, hopping on the podcast with me today. So uh, I have a bunch of questions I want to th- try and get through. So you are the the founder or the co-founder of Balcony TV. So I suppose just to kind of like kick it off, uh, first of all, how would you describe Balcony TV? Uh, well, Balcony TV was started by myself and my two flatmates in June 2006 when we had the wild and spontaneous idea to start doing an internet show from our apartment balcony on Dame Street. And it was a very uh, spontaneous idea that we had, but we, we committed to making a new video every single day of the week. And um, this was a time when YouTube was just starting off, so people didn't even really know what YouTube was at the time. But we, that we did it, so literally every day of the week we filmed a different musician, artist on our apartment balcony, just in the name of fun, really, you know? So I was, um, I was about 23, 24 at the time, and my flatmates were about the same age and it was quite bizarre really we, we it went from again just this like tiny idea to literally every day us having another band in our in our apartment um playing on our little balcony with the backdrop of Dublin city and well that was that was the beginning of what turned into be you know a 12 year roller coaster which took over my life it sounds, it sounds pretty exciting. All right. Um, and so I suppose, like, what was your professional background uh, before, prior to that, leading up to that? I mean, is it relevant to music? Has it had anything to do with music per se? Or was it kind of like a natural progression? Or or what would you say? No, I was just, so I was just 23, 24 years of age. I had, I had actually studied radio broadcasting in Dunleary. And um, that's because I couldn't get into film school in Dunleary. So I took the, <laughs> the, only, the only course that would take me, actually. And uh, then I went to film. Then I went to film school in 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 the states actually for a year. I wanted to be a filmmaker, 
And then I came back to Dublin and, you know, I was working in a bar, I was working in the Dawson Lounge. I was, you know, I didn't know, you know, making a movie is a bit more difficult. Well, it's incredibly difficult as I was discovering. And I, I really didn't know where, where I was going or how I was going to do anything. And then this spontaneous idea came up. So, so film was really my, my, my focus and what I wanted to do. Um, but there you go. I suppose, yeah, you mentioned as well that you were, you committed to doing, what did you say, like a um, recording every day for a period of time? Mm -hmm. That's, yeah, that's yeah, definitely no. a lot of commitment. I mean, how did, how long did that go for, like that you were doing it every day and, you know, how much commitment and how much work did that actually take and involve? Yeah, no, it was a whole new world and it was kind of a world that um, had no idea about kind of making it up as we went along in terms of what we were doing. At the time, MySpace was the was the big website, um, kind of before Facebook. Mm. I feel old, and um, and so I would communicate with bands over over that, and I would book them to come up and, and play. Um, you know, also bands would then start reaching out, asking could they play, and it, you know, it, it turned out there was absolutely no shortage of of artists, which was amazing. That was kind of a discovery to me. I, I had no idea there were so many people that were musicians. And um, so literally we could have a new show every day of the week. It was a different musician, which, which was a bit mad. And um, so uh, having said that, the, the show itself was extremely simple. <laughs> and that was kind of the point of it. We wanted it to be extremely simple. If it, if it, if it, was, if it was more complicated, then it just it would be, it wouldn't be worth doing. It had to be something that was simple and manageable. Um, but yeah, we, we booked the artists to come up and, and they would come up. And, you know, most of the artists we would have would be very much, um, you know, you know, bands that would play in the bars around Dublin or around the country. Um, but because we were filming so many, you know, up-and-comers, if you will, we just so happened to capture a lot of people um, when they were at the beginning stages. Um, and there's various names I could list. But overall, we had like a kind of a who's who of the of the Irish music scene on the balcony um, over, over the years. But we literally did a new show on our balcony every single day for... I don't know, four years at least in Dublin. Wow. And um, and then was so that's like whatever, one thousand three hundred shows. I mean, I, I I would imagine. I think that the balcony. If you, if you walk down Dame Street in Dublin, I think um, there should be a plaque on the wall. You know, because it's yeah. it's a it's it's a piece of rock history in Dublin, but at the same time, it's kind of forgotten in a weird way. Yeah. Um. And so, that, so that was it. And, and then what was really interesting that happened was then is that people from around the world started discovering Balcony TV. They started watching the shows from dub of Irish artists. And then people started to reach out to me and ask, could they start Balcony TV in their own cities? And that's when it, it really kind of opened up into new horizons, if you will. Yeah, that itself is actually quite interesting because, I mean, you might think that they might just, you know, have, uh, you know, their own thing, just kind of get, you know, inspiration from your idea and then create their own, you know, TV show, call it whatever they want. But the fact that they actually want mm -hmm. to affiliate themselves with Balcony TV is is quite interesting. Um, but also as well, it was before YouTube, as you mentioned, so you literally... You had to, to create a whole website and then like, you know, put the videos on the website. I mean, how did all that kind of come about? Like, I mean, were you the person that was, you know, the, you know tech savvy that were able to create the website and embed these these videos onto it? Or do you have to get somebody else involved in that? And did it, you know, even grow then as a result of that? 
But to be honest, um, to be honest, um, the day after I had the idea for the concept, I, I met up with a graphic design friend and I said, look, we just want a very, very simple, minimalistic website and just be one video on the center of the web page that will change every day. But when we were talking about how we would actually get the videos online, we were speculating about using, you know, QuickTime or, or Real Player. These were the things at the time. Mm-hmm. And then um, I actually, I actually looked around online later on that day, and I found this website called YouTube. Um, and <laughs> I remember going back to my graphic design friends. I was like, "Is this website called YouTube? I don't know. Can you embed the video onto the page?" And she remember her looking it up right there in the office while I was with her, and she was like, "She's like, yeah, I think this will work." And so, so again, it was, uh, we, you know, people didn't know what YouTube was at the time, but we were just kind of, it, it made our lives a lot easier because I think anything else would have been quite complicated, you know? Yeah, no, totally. Because actually, sorry, my bad. I thought that I'd uh, heard in one of your past interviews before that you had, uh, you know, launched a just, you know, six months prior to YouTube and that you put uh-huh. the videos up on the website, but actually it was a combination of both. So yeah, okay. Uh, and so yeah. was, like, how many views did your first video get? Our video, our videos, <laughs> this is a terrible thing to say, but our videos in general never really got watched that much, in, you know, and um, in fact, I was, I was, I, I'm, I'm proud of the myth building that I created around um, Balkany TV. I was, you know, I, I was pretty good at getting us on interviews and stuff and, um, and, and that kind of led to, but you know, our videos, because if you think about it, if, 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 a, if an artist came up to perform in the balcony, they might share the video to their, to their friends and family. So that might bring in a few, you know, so our videos were averaging about, I don't know, 300 views per video, maybe, you know, um, and, uh, I mean, you know, in, in the end, we ended up making 20,000 videos all around the world, you know, and, um, and they got watched over a hundred million times. Which wow. sounds really, really impressive. Which sounds really impressive, but that kind of averages at about five thousand views per video. And yeah. having said that, our most watched our, our most watched video ever had like six and a half million views. So there's all these different ways you can look at it. You know what I mean? And then there's also like there's videos that kind of would go big, that would have no explanation to them, and there's videos that you think should go big that they just wouldn't. You know what I mean? So it's all the you know it's the constant. Um, uh, constant youtube nonsense you know which is yeah a, is a pain for any any content creator you know very true very true so yeah i was gonna ask you actually who was your very first artist but um answer that then also like what you just uh, mentioned there as well like the artist that got like the most views and who was that then as well um yeah so who were those two artists well, well technically technically our first artist was my little brother and so my little brother was um his, his name is adam o'regan Mm-hmm. And he um, he was sitting in my apartment, kind of like he had just started playing the guitar. He was 13 years of age, you know, a little greasy teenager, you know. Mm-hmm. And he fell in love with the guitar and he was already getting the rock look down. His hair was growing long and stuff like this, you know. Mm-hmm. And I I was still kind of like going through this idea in my mind. And I actually said, Adam, do me a favor. Just get out into the balcony there and just play anything. Play anything at all. Because I just wanted to test the microphone setup. And so I, I pressed record. You can actually find this. You can, if you look online, you'll find this. And so okay. he basically just, he just basically improvised it. And he sung a song that went like, um, can you feel your feet on Dame Street? Can you feel your feet? Get the beat. Bal- balcony TV, balcony TV for you and me. Balcony TV. 
And the funny thing was, they actually cut out the, the very last three seconds of that, where he goes, Balcony TV. And I made it our, our, our signature tune in front of every video. <laughs> um, so uh, it's funny, like, you know, years later when we'd have like, you know, Jesse J come up or, or you know, the script or something like that, they would, they would often like sing Balcony TV. And that was the creation of my, uh, my little brother, you know. And my little brother went on to create a band called uh, Little Green Cars, who had some success. And, um, and, now, and now they're called, and now they're called Soda Blonde. Um, so, so, so he was technically, he was a, a test show, but he was technically the first artist on the show. And I think the first band was, was uh, it was, uh, they were called Jezebel, I'm pretty sure, Jezebel. And it was basically a guy and a girl uh, from, from Dublin and they played their song. I'm not sure if they're still together. They might be. I think they got married since then, actually, though. So there you go. Okay, very good. And oh, as... and, you, and then you asked the most watched video. Yeah. The most, watched, the most watched video in the world of Balky TV was this uh, guy who played on Balky TV, Melbourne. His name was Matt Corby. Um, I, you know, I never heard of the guy before, but, you know, yeah. his video got six, six and a half. And he's, he's quite big, apparently, but um, nice. six and a half million views. Yeah. And what city was that in? Melbourne. Melbourne. Balcony okay. Bel okay. TV, Melbourne. Yeah. Um, good meet. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a that was a learning. You know, that was, you know, if you're in Ireland, you have a habit of thinking that you know the music world exists only in Ireland and the UK and uh, and you know America. Um, yeah. And we also we also have a very kind of high opinion of our how great we are as you know you know songwriters and stuff like this. But actually, it turns out that every country has their own musical industry, has their own music scene, is very proud of their own music, and also thinks that their music is the best in the world. And it turned, you know, and that that was a, that was something that I learned through Balkan TV. It's like you know, there's, there's music all over the place. I mean, that sometimes we're a bit a bit of a tunnel vision, I think, at home. Yeah, and that's very true. Right, like Irish people are very proud, and I think I suppose every country is technically patriotic in some way, shape, or form, and thinks it's like you know just them, you know. But yeah, when you go further afield, everybody has their own sort of community of artists and musicians and whatnot. But uh, oh. I must, um, is that available to see online? Um, the one yeah, with yeah. It is. Okay. Yep. Let's check that I'll out. Send, I'll, send, I'll send you the links afterwards. You absolutely. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, and so as well, like how long did it actually kind of take for you to kind of build up Balcony TV to where you had like, you know, a few thousand subscribers? So how long? Um, so, it, so it was all a ginormous struggle. And but <laughs> from from a behind the scenes point of view, it was a it was a torturous roller coaster, which we put on a very brave face on face. Mm -hmm on from from an outside perspective and so from an outside perspective you know suddenly we were launching in different cities and you know we we're putting out press releases and you know doing interviews and etc cetera, etc cetera. but you know actually trying to really create something build a really really substantial momentum was was very very difficult um i mean there's various things i mean there was various moments along the way like you know our first major artist that we had up was like paul brady he uh, he called me and asked could he come up one day and play on the balcony and that was a that was kind of something that made us kind of think oh maybe there's something more in this concept and you know YouTube were YouTube at a certain after a couple of years decided to kind of localize the platform a little bit 
and they asked us to make their launch videos for YouTube in Ireland, which is a bit random. So we, there yeah. was us in the balcony going, welcome YouTube to Ireland. Wow. It, yeah. was, it was completely stupid, but they would they would actually feature our videos on the front page of the website from time to time, which which gave us uh, which had a dramatic effect on, on certain videos viewership. Um, I was doing kind of like kind of hit and hope things like entering the entering it into like award shows and that actually proved to be proved to be very useful. So we won best music website in Ireland after wow. three months of existence, which is completely ridiculous. That's at the crazy. digital media awards and we were up against like giant telecom like you know the tree music store and all this kind of all these yeah. things that are probably no longer there um and here was our thing which cost like nothing to do <laughs> you know we were like a bunch of you know students essentially i felt like we were and um and there we won best music website in ireland and that gave us like a certain amount of publicity and we were able to say that then that we were like the best music website in ireland and and um also we because of, we were like a funny story you know when like when things like that would put out their own press releases they were like they would say things like oh you know you know we recognize balcony tv you know what i mean when in fact their main focus was on like big companies but we were just a funny story that added character to things you know yeah. um but 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 then i entered us into a, a crucial step was i actually entered balcony tv into the webby awards and the webby awards are like the oscars of the internet in the world okay um and uh they're very prestigious internet awards and so i entered i entered us into the best viral video category now if you think about it like two years into YouTube's existence, the idea of viral video was actually a new concept. Mm. You know, this was a new phrase, you know, now it's something that just, you know, everybody knows, but back then it was a new thing. And so we and amazingly, we, amazingly, we got nominated for best viral video content at the what Webby Awards. would that have been? This was 2008. And so we were up yeah. against, uh, vid we were up against videos like, um, there was a video called Chocolate Rain and there was a video called Diet Coke and Mentos. These, these like early viral video things that yeah. were quite hilarious. And yeah. uh, so, we got, so we got nominated. And so then RTE decided to come along and do a news clip about us, which again is online, kind of embarrassing, but it's online. That's and um, they did a news clip about us. And then because the, we were the only Irish website that was nominated at the Webbies. And then the, the very next day I got a message from essentially somebody that was interested in investing in us and um uh hold on this is people walking by here in the background talking very loudly okay yeah it's i can i can barely hear them but yeah it's not okay okay, okay. so 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 that 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 led to uh like a, a guy completely messaged me out of the blue saying let's meet up for coffee and then he offered to invest into balcony tv which was just mind-blowing at the time you know, because yeah. it, at that st at that stage we had, were two years old but i swear to god you know there wasn't a, a penny in it you know what i mean it was really banging our head against the wall you know um so yeah at that moment we felt like we were about to take over the world um yeah absolutely you kind of i had a couple of questions there you kind of uh, covered a few of them like i was going to say sure. balcony tv i mean was in over 100 cities and it's going to see i was going to ask actually one one what was the most popular city but also as well like what do you think made the other you know people that are representing each city want to affiliate with yourself but when you mentioned the awards i'm sure it's probably that but what do you think do you think there was something else to it well no totally it was totally the simplicity of the concepts you know what i mean the yeah. simplicity of, of the production of the show and then that meant that um you know 
other people. So we had this we had this procedure whereby if you wanted to make the show in your cities, we asked, we asked people to go away and make a test show. And they would go do a test show following the guidelines of production that we put there. Um, and uh, and they would send me back the test show and then I would send them back comments and, I, and sometimes I'd make them do the test show again. But then if, if, if I gave them the, essentially the rights to produce it in their city, you know, that gave them like a, like a, a, like a, a card in their city. They, they were the official producers. They, they owned their city, you know what I mean? I am the yeah. producer of Balkan TV, New York City, you know? And yeah. and you could so that you know, you're giving somebody ownership of something which was, um, I think was made was very useful to people, you know, because they often people were doing other things in the city, and so Balkan TV became like a, a card for them, you know what I mean, like a good kind of marketing thing for them, personally, um, and so the show was was very very simple to produce, or at least that was it, it should have been, although as as it, as it evolved, um. Just some producers wanted to scale it up to HD and things like this and get like real proper sound recording and stuff. And I was actually always trying to get get people to stop doing that because I really wanted it to stay super simple. I didn't want people spending huge amounts of time on it, especially if there was no money for people. Um, but the, you couldn't stop them at a certain point. And so then when some people then improved their standards of production, then it just meant that everybody else had to, because otherwise the shows, some shows would look really bad alongside other cities, you know? So eventually it all, it all, most of it went to like height, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, of course. I think as well, like that, like with videos, uh, it kind of did grow to where it's, you know, very sort of polished and perfected. But I think now, it's it's kind of going back to you know being sort of raw and original like balcony tv yeah. was at the you know at the beginning but uh yeah i suppose it's all kind of a progression and degression and you know cyclical in a way i, 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 just, I just say so but nevertheless the, the essence or the, the the very basic uh format of the show always remained the same so it was always yeah. one shot like one shot from beginning to end it was the presenter would come on and say hello for like five seconds the, the artist would play one song and then afterwards, the presenter would come back and have like literally a one minute conversation with with the artist, and that was the show. So um, always done in one take. Well, uh, well, that mo most of the time, yeah. And so, what funny was in Dublin, what it, how we eventually evolved it was we would actually film seven shows on a Sunday night between seven and nine o'clock, um, and then put out a new show every day, um, and we would fill and we. We chose seven and nine o'clock on a Sunday because we needed the street sounds to be quiet down below, and in the in, because of the weekdays and in the daytime it was often quite noisy on Dame Street. So it was it was a bit bizarre because our our, our apartment for years was essentially a music festival. Every Sunday night we'd have seven bands in there waiting to get their turn to go onto the balcony, you know, yeah. with all their instruments and stuff. And I would literally be like, "Next, who's next?" <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. It was, it was bizarre and so just, the scene and the scene in the background was just was a little bit surreal you know um but uh yeah and then we had we obviously had disasters where you know you know could pouring raining or mm. you know suddenly there was roadworks on the street below i remember once we had to go down and bribe the, the roadwork people to stop drilling on dame street and we had to buy them like loads of pizzas and stuff just from to stop doing it for an hour but um yeah it was, quite, it, was a, it was a it was a moment in time yeah for sure and as well actually is there anybody in that um apartment now these days have you kind of checked it out or probably so, so 
we went um uh, so we four years after so we were there for four years in that apartment and eventually we got, actually got kicked out of the apartment because the building got taken over by i don't know that by a bank or something you know right. after the recession so we yeah. got kicked out I, I remember that the final show we ever did on the dame street balcony we invited paul brady to come up and do be our last show again he came up and he did this amazing performance he did this incredible performance i must send you that as well yeah um, and uh and yeah that was our last show on the dame street balcony and the sad thing was the, the apartment actually i mean every day i would walk whenever i went back to dublin you know the apartment remained like empty and completely for like 10 years, 10 okay. years, nobody lived in there or anything. And I, I actually, to this day, I still think nobody lives there. Um, and uh, a couple of years ago, I broke back in, <laughs> I broke into the building and, um, and I went up to look at the space and it was just like, uh, just empty, like 10 years of being empty. And, oh. and it, was just, it was a bit weird. And yeah. I also made a little video of that, which I can send you that as well. But, That's um, very cool, yeah, because like there's a lot of like yeah. you know abandoned mansions, you know, videos and stuff like that. But not so many of Ireland though. But that would be kind of interesting to kind of have that sort of uh, nostalgia and the building then being empty as well. So definitely send that on to me. Um, Quickly as well, actually, there's only like 10 minutes left on Zoom. So I might just send you another link if that's okay. Um, uh, no problem. So tell me as well about like Balcony Cork. How long did it take you actually before uh, you actually eventually got to Balcony Cork? Because I think you went from Dublin and then you went kind of more international or, and overseas. So I suppose how long into Balcony TV did, did it eventually land in Cork? Um, so actually in Ireland, we we did Balcony. So we Dublin was, you know, the main one. Obviously we started, we started in Dublin. We did it for years. But over, over the time we actually did, Balcony TV in Tralee. Balcony for Tralee was Balcony oh. TV Tralee. was very random, but I actually did see that. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. Balcony yeah. TV Tralee. That was run by a girl called Amy Jackman. And um and we did Balcony TV Galway as well. No. Um uh, for 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 a period of time and Balcony TV Cork. And I don't know when Balcony TV Cork started. I I I imagine it started maybe I would say four years, three, four years into Balcony TV's history, I would okay. say. And it was a, a, a woman called Joanne um, who just got in contact and said she wanted to do it. And, um, yes, and, I know she, uh, and she, and she, and she went about doing it. It was, you know, it was, you know, God bless these people around the, around the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I, I, I said, I said this to Joe, I said this to Joanne recently and she got a little bit upset by it. And so if she's listening, Joanne, don't be upset. <laughs> so, you know, we were do, we were doing all these balcony TVs. We had like all these cities around the world at a certain point. You know what I mean, and I'm talking about you know, like these, these very cool looking spots in the world, you know, like, you know, Los Angeles and Tokyo and Johannesburg and things like that, you know, and, Oh, and yeah. then the, the, the balcony in court was often like gray skies and wind and rain swirling around and stuff, you know. And yeah, it's like uh, uh, Ireland, Ireland, yeah, you know, there you yeah. go. I mean, I was aware of balcony TV myself personally, like at the time, and I think I saw a couple of videos, but I wasn't sort of like in the midst of it really. It wasn't sort of, I guess, I didn't sort of realize like, you know, how, um, 
you know, prominent it was. I mean, I think at the time, like I was probably like, you know, traveling around as well. Actually, you were saying 2008. Yeah, I was in Australia, I think like 2009, 10 and whatnot. And I was kind of mm-hmm. going through my travel period. So I kind of didn't. And I mean, now I'm, you know, I've always kind of had a passion for music, but I just didn't kind of uh, realize the weight that Balcony TV had. So I've only kind of ever seen a few, a handful of videos. And of course, <laughs> they were like Balcony TV Cork. And I remember, I think that there was like a pretty particularly small balcony. And I remember it was like, yeah, really dull and gray and just not particularly aesthetic <laughs> in comparison to other well, well, Duran did a great job with the show, but you can't do anything about the grey skies. You can't do anything about the grey There's skies. nothing you can do about the grey skies. I mean, sure, I don't know if you can see me right now, but like, I mean, I'm in Cork and yes, there we go. Like case in point, completely grey, you know, it's just standard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, it's, yeah, it's Ireland. Nothing you can do about it whatsoever. Although in the summer, it, it, when it's sunny, it's gorgeous. Like for anybody that's not from Ireland that's listening, there is, there is, we do have mm-hmm. moments where it's sunny. Um, so well, actually, well, actually, but then actually, so what our most, you know, like some of our more colorful productions were, you know, obviously we did it in um, in Mumbai, and oh, they 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 did a they did a really great production in Mumbai, and like it was completely colorful, like just really wonderful and interesting, diverse artists, you know, very ethnic artists they had, mm. and with just some of the most spectacular backdrops you'll will ever see in your life you know Amazing. sometimes when they would send the shows because they would eventually we got to a stage where all the producers would actually send the shows to kind of a central point and we would actually edit the graphics into the shows and okay. um, to make them look a bit cleaner yeah. and um and so sometimes yeah when, when people would send through the shows some of them were just like really spectacular you know yeah yeah i can imagine actually i mean we we did we did it in the we did it in a place called Chamonix, which is in the, which is a, like a ski town in the French Alps. Oh, wow. So Bal- Balcony TV, Chamonix. And I remember, you know, the, and we did, the, literally did, <laughs> these shows were filmed at the top of the world in these mountains with like these incredible, like, you know, like avian water bottle mountains um, jutting into the sky with, ski slopes and amazing white backgrounds and stuff i gotta send you some of those as well they, they were some of the more spectacular Dude, ones it'd be well. amazing to see that like yeah i mean that's mm. just epic really isn't it i mean that sounds stunning um mm. but i suppose okay um so i was going to ask you a couple of kind of random questions like such as like you know what was your biggest di- dis- disappointment what was your biggest disaster and then uh-huh. you're kind of get into you know maybe sort of more the business side of things then so i suppose like what was the biggest disappointment in um you know i suppose like balcony tv like you know from you know the creative side of things and uh, maybe the biggest disaster as well from the creative side of things and uh yeah biggest disaster <laughs> wow that's that's a or anything like that or you know something it, crazy it, it all depends it all depends on, on how you might look at it i mean the our the balcony in dublin was about five floors up and of course you know um you know young young people and young wannabe rock stars uh regularly enough somebody would attempt to go and sit on the edge of the balcony and that would that would give me a heart attack and I, I'd be immediately grabbing them because I would just in fact I think it was one of the great miracles of Balky TV is that nobody actually died um in the process of making the show and I, and I genuinely did actually have to worry just by the laws of how many shows we were eventually filming and we you know we filmed 20,000 shows yeah um but I was thinking about like load bearing and stuff 
you know, like, you know, it's like, don't, bands shouldn't be bringing up amps and stuff like this, you know, does, oh, yeah. does you know, you can't have the floor falling through. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, and I was always, I was actually always on edge, on edge, get it? Um, uh, waiting for that message that uh, a bit of a disaster happened, you know, the lead singer of such and such band just fell on yeah. to his unti untimely death, you know, but uh, thankfully that never happened. Okay, um, managed to avoid disasters. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, just... and, and and nobody got electrocuted either. And I always thought that that was something that could happen because you know we, we so. would fill them in ridiculous weather, and there would be wires and stuff. And I'm like, what are we doing? This is so dangerous. Um, yeah. But thank thankfully that never happened either. Um. So and then disasters. Uh. Well, I mean, it all ended in disaster, kind of really. So like, you could say that. Um. So yeah, let's I suppose kind of get into to the 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 you know the rest of it then, like you know with with regards like the business aspect of it. So you mentioned earlier on actually that um you know some inve an investor approached you after you were successful um in um, one of the award ceremonies. So um like yeah, let's get into that. Like you know, so I suppose who approached you um initially regards investment, and did you go with them or did you then get other offers? So how did the investment process begin? Well, so literally, literally, we were doing Balkan TV for two years, and um, I had been banging on various doors trying to get sponsorship, mm. anything, and nobody would give us anything. And I mean, nobody. Like, I mean, nobody would give us like a fiver. Nobody. And um, you know, I always thought it was the type of thing that you know, I'd get a phone call from Mr. Coca Cola saying, "Oh, wow, this is a great idea. You know, we'll, mm. you know, we'll, we'll we'll sponsor you to do this," but that never happened. And it was, it was, you know, it was interesting. Once I started getting invited onto like radio shows and things like this, um, you know, the last question I was always asked was, how do you make any money out of this? Mm. Which was a, which was an awkward question to, to get because I knew, I knew in my heart of hearts that we didn't make any money out of it. Mm. Um, so my justification for continuing to do it was, you know, ultimately I believed in the positivity of the project and whether there was money or not, you know, it was, it was, it was good for the artists. It was, enjoyable to do there was a it was a, overall it was a positive thing however i really wanted to make it into something that you know wouldn't it be great to do something that you enjoy doing and be able to survive off that which is funny mm. it, it's still my dream in life mm. um Same. so so at various points you know i i was at various points i'd be like that's it i'm quitting i'm not doing this anymore i can't do this anymore and I'd be there with my flatmates and, and they'd be like, you have to keep doing it. And I'm like, no, 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 I've, I've done everything I possibly can, but I, I can't, uh, I don't, I can't, I don't know where to go with this. I, I mean, I remember one day I went into the Arts Council office mm. in, 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 in Dublin and I said, I'm not leaving here until somebody speaks to me. We are like doing such, don't you know what we're doing? We're doing such amazing work. And, um, and I, I, I was, I was, I, I mean, the secretary was there, like, who's this person? And I was like, I am not leaving until the head of music or whoever comes down and says something to me. And I sat there for like four hours. And Love nobody that came. <laughs> and, and no, yeah, but nobody, nobody came. At all? Um, oh my no, God. and eventually I, I walked sheepishly out into Marion Square or something. And I walked around the park <laughs> and what am I going to do here? Anyway, um, uh, yeah, we got nominated for a Webby Award. RT came to cover us. And then the next day, I had a I had a message out of the blue in my email um, from a guy who said, "I saw you on the news last night. Sounds very cool. Would you like to come and speak to me about it?" So, I, you know, 
didn't know anything about this guy. He was just a, a young businessman in Dublin, you know, um, and we met at the Metro Cafe and he said to me, you know, I think I'd be interested in investing, um, but I'd only want, I, I'd only be interested in investing for like, I don't, I'd want 20% of the company. Mm. He's like, what, what do you value 20% at? And in my mind, I was like, what? <laughs> what type of question? I didn't know. I had to answer that question. And I, I had to say to him, I had to say to him, listen, can I, can I, can I get back to you tomorrow on this? The very fact that somebody was asking a question like that was just, you know, mad, madness to me at the time. And I, I ran off and I asked, I met my father and I, I said, dad, you know, this guy's asking for, you know, he wants to invest and he wants 20% of it. I was like, what's 20% with, you know? And my dad was like, well, you know, you've done it for two years. You've made what, 700 videos. How many hours work have you put into that? Do you know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe, maybe you could say the company is worth a million. And in my mind, I was like, what? <laughs> a million? And so, and so my dad gets said, yeah, so, you know, 20% is 200,000. Mm-hmm. And so the next day I was like, uh, uh, you think it's worth like 200,000, you know what I mean? And, um, and the guy was like, nah, I think it's more like 180,000. And I was like, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so that was our, uh, that was our first investment. But then, you know, the reality of life gets involved very, very quickly. We have to get lawyers involved, actually make that deal happen. And, um, uh, you know, there was three of us, you know, and, but, you know, when money gets involved, distrust comes, gets involved immediately. Everybody felt like they needed their own lawyer. So we had, we had this bizarre situation. We had five legal teams wow. working on this investment, which it, it, in theory was not the great biggest investment in the world. Like this wasn't for $56 million, you know what I mean? So yeah. having five investor team, five legal teams is completely counterproductive. Um, and then by the time the deal gets done, you're already giving, you're giving 20% of the investment to the lawyers, which is yeah. just completely heartbreaking, like a completely heartbreaking experience. And yeah. Um, so, and, and the, yeah, and yeah, it was completely torturous torturous experience mm-hmm. um sorry i'm just having a, having a sip of coffee here I'm not yeah no worries so, i mean that's that i mean that's that's fantastic actually that you even got that offer like and that uh you did kind of accumulate some sort of figure like to be able to present to the investor and then he kind of you know then was like yeah sure no problem but yeah of course i mean because it wasn't like a colossal amount then it just gets sucked up because at the end of the day a million isn't a lot of money but it's a lot of money for someone that you know i suppose like back like you know 12 years ago um you know being in your yeah, well, so 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 it, 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 it was the, the first investment wasn't a million it was it was 200 it was 200 thousand okay okay okay, okay. so you yeah. know so he, well he, i mean he, just he, to you know uh have a, the worth of the company that yeah sure 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 absolutely and um so uh you know then the, the question is what actually we could what actually are we doing with the money you know and uh like it wasn't the case of like oh here's money so now let's look after ourselves you know, it was a case of you're supposed to invest the money and make it grow so you can get more make yeah. it work properly. <laughs> yeah. So we, 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 you know, we, we put a lot of, a lot of the resources into like getting a slick new website designed and mm-hmm. um, cost an awful lot of money. And we decided to have, you know, these are all like, like vanity things, you know, we decided to have a big launch party for our website, you know, and, oh, yeah. and, you know, 
but they were all cool. These were all cool things, but yeah. But you're you in your mid twenties as well. I mean, what what else were you gonna do? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, so. if I was if I was to, if I was to go back in time, I would say that kind of stuff is is uh, unless 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 you've really got your the media coming along and things like yeah, that, of then course. it's just, it's, just yeah. it's a waste of money, you know. And yeah. um, and, and and over the course of the twelve years doing Belkin TV, we did invest in redoing the website a number of times, thinking that redoing a website was going to be some kind of thing but it it never proved to be that and um so i'm always trying to advise people they should never get bogged down in like website designs and stuff like that it's just yeah people people at the end of the day just don't care that much about website designs 100 um you know so so you should definitely shouldn't be spending too much yeah, time or resource on those things done yeah. is better than perfect absolutely um, and so as well, you actually got around to uh, meeting the CEO of MTV. And uh, so tell us about that experience and how does she help Balkany TV? Okay, so that's so we're really jumping forward in time then. A little so, bit, only uh, just because I'm kind of uh, cognizant of no, the time. No, well, no, you, no, can, no. You, can, you can rewind back and lead no, up no, to that. No, it, that's cool. I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm just trying to think about how to make the the jump. So okay, well I can, I, 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 I can, I, I can do it though. I can do it though. So we. We eventually we got um for years later we we got more investment from uh, a number of U.S. investors, which led to me uh, to having to go to New York for a few days to meet these U.S. investors, yeah. and um, it was like a four day trip for me in New York, and these were very very high high profile people and. This was this was the the next world. This was like kind of like getting promoted to the Premier League or something like that. You know, at least that's what it was like in my mind. Like dealing dealing with people like this. Yeah. But when I when I was in one such meeting, um, they everybody said, you know, you have to we have to set Stephen up with a meeting with Judy. You know, Stephen's got to meet Judy, and um, I didn't know who they were talking about, and but also because I was only in New York for three or four days, you know, I decided to boozle up in New York. This is the Irish way from time to time. Yeah. And it was my last morning in New York and I woke up and I was very, very hungover. And I realized I had this meeting with Judy at 8 a.m., which is very early for any meeting, let's face it. Mm. So I had to go to this uh, fancy hotel in Manhattan. And uh, I went in and I said to the, to the receptionist, uh, as I said, is there a woman here called Judy? And she pointed her out to me. She was sitting in the in the breakfast area, and um, I went up to Judy, and I was a little bit worse for wear. And I had, I just knew I couldn't I couldn't avoid this. And I and I just said, Judy, I'm really sorry. I'm a little bit hungover. And Judy was like, Well, you know, you're Irish. And I was like, Oh God. Um, yeah. And uh, she's like, She's like, Don't worry. And she goes, My second name is McGrath. So so I, you know, I understand. I understand the Irish very well. So we sat down and she was very, 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 she was the coolest person that I met in, in my whole time doing um, Balking TV. She was very understated and she just had a nice presence to her. Mm -hmm. And I, so I was blabbering away to her for an hour, a bit like the way I've been doing with you. And, um, and then after an hour, I said to her, I said to her, do you mind me asking, what is it, what is it that you actually do? And she said, oh, you know, I started off at MTV and the, in the early days and I eventually became the CEO and chairperson of MTV networks worldwide and I was like oh my in my mind was just like oh my god almighty and she mm -hmm. and she said yeah I, I did it for 25 years and I only stepped down a few months ago um and I was like wow 
because because what that actually means is is that you know she was the head of every pop cultural change for the previous 30 years or 25 years like you're talking about the mtv awards like the mtv logo you know like the osbournes and then under mtv also fits sits you know comedy central and nickelodeon and things like this so this person was a media goliath and um and yet here i was like blabbering away to her like a fool and so i decided to we i we i was being quite personal with her so i decided to just not let that affect my the way i was chatting to her so mm. we kept on talking and um and then after an hour she said like she's like Stephen, i have to go uh and but i but i love the story and um it really reminds me of the early days of mtv it's very very cool and i was like oh cool so where are you up to and, and she said oh you know bono's in town right now and he wants to talk about something and i was like oh bono yeah <laughs> and um and then she she left and uh and later on, I got a I got an email from her, and she was like, "Stephen, uh, you know, I'm speaking with Bono, and he loves Balcony TV. Please let me invest in the company." And uh, that was that was a bit mind blowing moment. So, uh, you know, like I was like, well, "Crap, like the Bono, you know, he, he didn't need to do that." You know what I mean? I mean, it wasn't like, you know, you know, that was that was that was good. That was that was good. Him putting in a good word for the for the cause, you know. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, I mean, I've kind of noticed actually that he is sort of very, uh, he does keep a very close eye on what kind of goes on like music wise in Ireland, like, you know, which is great, you know, because I mean, I guess it is so small. So if you can kind of give anybody a leg up, I suppose, like he, he, he will, you know, so that's that that was, but I think that's probably like where, well, yeah, I was going to say it's probably when he was at his peak as well, which is a huge deal. But I think he was kind of the career was slightly waning at that point. Um, if it was like 2010, but uh, that's amazing that, that they actually, that Bono knew who you were, knew what you were about and what you did. And so that's, and, you know, to to Judy, who is like the, the former CEO of MTV is absolutely a moment in time for sure. So um, so I'm assuming then that Judy did invest in Balcony TV at that point? Uh-huh, yeah, no, she did. We had, so we, we raised another round of funding and... Um, um, and yeah, uh, you know, things, you know, with that, things get more complicated. Um, sure. And I, I, I was actually advised to move to New York to be close to the investors because I was supposed to, you know, I, I was going to need to utilize their contacts in order to really push this thing forward. Um, but they also gave me a mission to like, you know, spend the investment as quickly as possible in order to grow it. Um, so, which was, so, you know, in my mind, they had like a three year plan, but they, they said, no, no, you you shouldn't have a three year plan. You should have, you know, a nine month or one year plan. Okay. So there are, so, so I literally packed my bags, went to New York, you know, had to get an office, had to hire somebody to be like my sidekick with, with music industry experience. That was something that the investors were very, very wanting me to do. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you're trying to sort out your your visa situation and all this kind of stuff and you know it was a huge amount of pressure and i was completely just uh winging it trusting in faith that it would all work out you know um yeah. and we did we did you know i made the same mistake put a lot of money into redoing doing the website and we tried to we tried to create a different kind of show underneath the balcony brand which was supposed to be like an mtv news kind of a show yeah. um okay. 
what I was going to ask actually as well is like, I mean, I suppose like what would be like kind of like the, the rough like total amount that was invested into Bagging TV, like and exactly, you know, where did you then spend the money? And then how come you didn't get like the, the third round of investment in the end, do you think? Um, the amount of money that was invested in the Belking TV uh, at that that stage was like one point two okay. million dollars. One point two million dollars, and uh, that you know that was spent on like hiring some people in New York, um, website design. You know, time is money yeah. as well. You know, I'd be gone pretty quick. All right, yeah, just if you know, just on that alone. You know, yeah, and then you realize as well when you move to New York that actually people like you know command certain salaries, <laughs> and it wasn't a case of you know, I remember this is funny. There's a very, 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 very well regarded person on YouTube. His name is Anthony Fantano. He calls himself the internet's busiest music nerd or something. He does these kind of videos where he kind of you know reviews albums and stuff, but speaks about in kind of very intellectual, kind of cool ways. Um, he's he's massive. He's massive now. I literally remember messaging him and offering him a job, and I want them to come and be like the editor in chief or something of Falcon TV. And I, when I think back about how much money I offered him, I'm just like, oh my god! Of course, he must have thought I was completely mad because I offered him like you know, you know, relatively a tiny amount, you know. Um, okay, <laughs> I was wondering was it like <laughs> large or not. No, well, I mean, I mean, it felt like large to me, but I was still living in, I was, I was living in cloud, I don't know, conservative Ireland. Or something, well, again, you were young and obviously inexperienced when it came to business because you were just kind of thrown into all of this, really. So you wouldn't really mm. be expected to kind of know what the right amount of, you know, money to offer somebody for a salary would be and everything else. Like, so, you know, I mean, mm. I think probably, I mean, well, that's not necessarily what they do, but going to the investors should have probably given you you know, sort of a mentor or something along those lines, like, but, you know, oh, there, 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 there was, there was, there's plenty of mentorship and stuff along the way. Okay. People. I mean, there was, I mean, you know, we're, 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 we're skimming over what is a giant story, you know? Well, yeah, but, this um, is it. I know, I know, I know. Well, it, <laughs> it depends like how much time you have. I suppose we could always have another chat, like again, in the future. Yeah. Hopefully. Um, um, but, but, you know, there, there, there was, there was plenty of mentorship and stuff. And I, you know, again, if, if I was to go back in time, what I would actually do is if I was to go back in time, I would actually, you know, get absolutely the best people and just like, yeah, yeah I, I would just get the very best person and give them like a huge amount of money and go, go and make this work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, actually, as, I as opposed to, as opposed if you could to, go like, back in time, like what, what changes would you make? Yeah, well, that that's it. I think I, I would I would obviously not not keep on redesigning the website because it's just a waste of money. And I would um I would hire I would have just hired you know you know personnel that could really really have advanced it, um and and that's that's what I would have done. And maybe that would have worked. I don't know. You you mentioned actually earlier on that um you were sending a press releases at the very beginning of Balcony TV. Um, so who were doing the press releases? Okay, well, no, I mean I I was. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, most, Fair most, enough. Most of this whole thing was uh, well, certainly from a centralized point of view. From a yeah, I mean, most of this was I mean, discounting, not discounting all the people around the world that were doing this. Mm -hmm. And we were really were an international, like I really can't discount all those people. And I can't discount the artists either. Like I, I don't want this to sound like this is not supposed to be the the, the me show, but I'm just telling one perspective on the story. Of course, um, yeah. 
because we were a big international family with hundreds of people around the world that yeah. were involved in the production of Alchemy. However, in terms of like trying to get it somewhere, it was me and my laptop, you know, pulling my hair out an awful lot of the time. And what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I was kind of mentioning well like pure so at the beginning so you were oh, just, so I suppose yeah. It, yeah it was all DIY of course like and suppose everybody like what you're going to get is like around this around all the different cities were kind of doing their own PR and promotion for uh, everything I guess like so yeah. yeah and it was it was all it was all DIY from my, I mean I started I would email every radio station in Ireland every newspaper you know I'd build, build up a mailing list myself you know um, and you know, we for the first three years of Balky TV, we had this. We staged our own Balky TV Music Video Awards. So, oh, yeah, good. and we would we we would have a we would hold it at the Sugar Club in Dublin, and we'd have awards for best best male, best female, best band, best international act, and best novelty show or something. Well, we had artists. Uh, uh, like yeah, you like okay, very good. Like so, basically, like yeah, for the awards, you'd include like uh, like globally, like the, the best you know uh, singer or whatever. Well, so for, well, for the first three years, we were only in Dublin, and London, and Hamburg. You know, it was only after three or four years where really we're really started launching in different cities everywhere. Right. So it was obviously there was a very high Irish focus, but yeah, we had the Bell TV Music Video Awards in Dublin, and then with these five categories, and we'd have artists play within the between the awards and we'd, we'd, we'd go, I went and we'd go and buy a, a children's guitars in like Smith's toy store and spray paint them gold. Um, funny enough, one of the winners from back then just posted on our Facebook, you know, with a picture of the award hanging up above her in her office, Zoe Conway, she's a, she's a great violin player. Right. Um, and uh, and yeah, those were, those were cool happenings. But what, what I would do is as well, I got the DJs in Ireland, the radio DJs, to vote on the award categories, um, which I th which which I thought was pretty cool actually, and and you know this was the first time that I, some of these these DJs heard people like Mumford and Sons and the scripts in the main because well I would send them through the nominations, and they'd be like oh wow those, these guys are really good and I'm like yeah yeah no, they are pretty good <laughs> you're the DJ, um, yeah but no you people like Alison Curtis were very supportive and. Um, I'm trying to think about the DJs on the scene back then. You know what's bizarre is the people that, you know, kind of started off on Balky TV and have gone on to like other things. So for example, like Tara Stewart, you know, I remember like seeing her and having her come up and play it. She, she wanted to be a musician when she was younger and mm. she played on the balcony and we became friends for a while and stuff. And and now she's presenting for BBC Radio One. It's like, it's like that, that kind of stuff flows. Yes. flows blows my mind you know absolutely and absolutely very, um, very well, we're nearly out of time again so i suppose uh i guess quickly can you kind of give us an idea of like uh just you know you know in a synopsis of like you know sort of how it ended and also would it be something that you might kind of i mean now you're you're in lisbon and i think that you're kind of doing uh, uh you know filmography in lisbon as well like but would you think that like that there should be you know music sort of videos done again you know in ireland or whatnot like what would you kind of would you think is a future if somebody was to start up something like that nowadays or do you think it's kind of done so much because everybody's just doing their own thing on youtube now um i think um well first of all it all ended in a disaster it got taken over by it essentially got taken over by sony music and yeah. i worked for them for three years and you know my soul got eaten away a little bit and then mm -hmm. one day they just called me into an office and they said you know they're letting me go and so at this stage, I'd done Belkin TV for 12 years. 
And, you know, I, I was let go in a kind of very kind of cold way at, at half five on a Friday night, you know. Mm. And then um, that put me into a mental tailspin at that moment in time. Mm. And yeah, I mean, you know, we can we can we can do a part two to this if you want. And we can talk about other things in terms of uh, in terms of um, and then they then they disbanded the whole thing, which is particularly tragic. So they told all the people around the world they were to discontinue making the shows. And that was very mm. upsetting for people around the world who were really doing it out of a really labor of love. People yeah. were very, very, very upset. But we were we, we were arguing against um, Sony and, you know, they were just putting their, you know, they were, you know, being a bit legally. And so, you know, it was intimidating. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was thinking about like creating a big absolute storm, but, um, you know, you have to pick your battles. And I think I was too afraid to pick that battle. Mm-hmm. So that's that. And um, in terms of, uh, you know, Balky V was, I, I think Balky V was the best document of music in the, of, in the, of, in, of a certain kind of independent music in the world over that 10 year period. I mean, we did it in a hundred cities. We made 20,000 shows, it was you know, yeah. you know, it was MTV for an internet generation. We gave every band their beat rooftop moment, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And many people who went big started off on Balkan TV and we covered everybody else besides that. Uh, yeah. And I, I actually, you know, I think there's, what was great about it was it was in all these different cities. A lot of these things are localized. So for example, you yeah. know, a lot of the best music shows were like, the black cab sessions Well, the black cab sessions only really worked in the UK. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was La Blog Attack, which kind of only really was filmed in France. And there was, you know, a few other things, but, you know, we were, we were a truly global thing, uh, unlike yeah. pretty much any other music show that's, that's been since. And so, you know, if somebody was really, really clever, they'd, you know, they'd, 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 they'd buy it back off Sony and we, we'd start it up all again more, more mm-hmm. efficiently. You know, mm-hmm. one thing will I say, which will break my heart a little bit, is that, you know, literally, I think a year or so after I left Balky TV and Balky TV was ended for all intents and purposes, So Far Sounds, which is a little bit, a, a little bit similar to Balky TV, mm-hmm. um, although I think we were better, but So Far Sounds, <laughs> of course, um, they got they got invested in by like Richard Branson for like something like twenty million for like twenty million or something like that. So. You know, you know, I, I don't see any reason why that couldn't have been us. Absolutely, absolutely. Or even, you know, why can't it be you in the future? I mean, I mean, if Sony haven't been doing anything with it, then obviously like the, the, the value I would imagine would have kind of like, you know, you know, dropped slightly. So I'm sure, I don't know, maybe it might be interesting to inquire to see how much it would be worth if they just wanted to kind of get rid of it or if they have any plans. Do you have any idea if they have any plans to do anything with it again in the future? Or, I, I don't think I don't think they've got any. I don't. I, I don't even think they're. I don't think they're thinking about it in the slightest. Yeah. Although, because this story has popped up, and I'm, I'm, I, you know, this story has been circulating a little bit in, in the last few weeks, the Balkan TV story. But um, a funny little thing is they let they let the domain address lapse. Okay, so the domain yeah. address is balkantv.com. Mm-hmm. You know, I bought it for ten euros on GoDaddy. Yeah, hey, you're supposed to you're supposed to pay ten euros a year for it or something, you know, very yeah. easy. Mm. They let it lapse, okay? They let it lapse, and because they let it lapse, there was an auction on GoDaddy to see who wanted to buy BalkyTV.com, the domain address, mm-hmm. and it sold the domain sold for twenty thousand on that particular day. Twenty thousand for like a domain address, and, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, and it's, it's so if you go to BalkyTV.com now. BalconyTV.com. 
um, it's like some kind of Asian gambling website. <laughs> oh, really? Okay, yeah. that's pretty. Okay, I think I yeah. did try to kind of uh, look into it. I, I, I don't think anything kind of came up though. But right, okay, because I was going to say, would you not maybe get onto them and maybe, you know, do something? So yeah, so clearly Sony have got like no uh, plans for it and, and the, the, the domain is gone now. So it kind of seems like it's sort of disbanded in a bit. But uh, I mean, you can always kind of set up something new and call it something different. And then, you know, going through all what you knew before, you wouldn't make the same, same mistakes again. So maybe you could uh, start like doing investment and, you know, doing it the right way this time, calling it under, you know, something else. That would be um, interesting and exciting. But um, well, we'll see. I'm, I'm still trying to work it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got a few ideas myself because it's kind of, yeah, you know, it's being with the music industry and everything else. It'd be great to kind of have something like that again, even just in Ireland. Um, but yeah, it does take a lot of work, obviously, and a lot of consistency. And of course, mostly voluntary as well, you know, so it's it's all about that. The, the, the music industry is a, is a, is a awful industry. I mean, it's terrible. I, I mean, I wouldn't really advise anybody to get involved in the music world. Like, mm -hmm. to, to be really, really honest, like it's not. Um, and in fact, the very idea of the music industry, I don't even know what the music industry is. I don't know what it is. I think the music industry is only for a very, very select group of people that are at a certain level of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. To the rest, to the, to the, to the rest of the musical world, it's it, 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 it's it's it's. Well, you really have to have like, you know, business, you know, really strong, good business acumen, like to succeed in the music industry and, you know, grit and de determination and perseverance. But if you were to like to set up something like, you know, uh, just, you know, a YouTube channel again, I think the main thing would be to kind of just remain independent unless you actually have that sort of business side of things like, you know, to be able to to kind of like, you know, look for investment and, you know, get investors and invest it in the right way but other than that though it's just kind of like oh well you know i mean you didn't really necessarily need the investment um you know if you already had the website and stuff like that but just was an opportunity to grow but then obviously it clearly didn't work out but i think that like i suppose learning from that mistake the best advice would be just to kind of remain independent so you're not actually you know another cog in the wheel of the music industry because clearly sony didn't know what they were doing when they were buying it they had no kind of particular plan or strategy they're just like oh it's a big thing let's have it you know, so and now it's not. Well, like they, what they, what they, what they, what they, they essentially said was they, they, they back my, they, they said they would back my vision for it, but that ended up not being, that ended up not being the case. You know, yeah. so, yeah. so that, 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 that became problematic. But to anybody who's, you know, uh, and you know, you know, I consider myself somewhat artistically minded. I wanted to be a filmmaker. You know, I liked drawing when I was a kid. I make kind of different kinds of videos now. Um. But, you know, to musicians, you know, any musicians that are listening and stuff, you know, people really need to come into people need to come into it more from a with a business mindset on their head, you know, rather than thinking, you know, I'm going to do my music and I'm going to get discovered. You know what I mean, this idea of discovery is, is so rare. It's it's so rare and it's very, very, very little thing to hang your hat on, so to speak. Yeah. I don't mean to sound negative, but, you know, it's true. It's I so, preach this so all the time. So many disillusioned people, you know, and I feel terrible yeah. for 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 people who put so much hopes and dreams and effort into yeah. this kind of very, very vague kind of possibility, you know. And yeah. whether but 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 anybody that has really succeeded in the music industry, and if you think about anybody, you know, Richard Branson started off record shops, signed the Sex Pistols, mm -hmm. you know what I mean, you know. 
he he had the smarts right from the beginning and he knew he was like this is what i'm gonna do you know paul mcginnis you too you know what i mean he had oh. the business brains he told That's them that they crazy. needed to be smart with their business from the beginning and and they were always smart from the beginning Brian Epstein, from the all beginning. of them like you know yeah yeah this is it, you know what I mean? We've got less than a minute. <laughs> so unfortunately, Zoom is cutting us off yet again. Listen, Stephen, thank you so much for joining me in the podcast.